The Grand Army of the Gondolarian Empire needs you. We are looking for fit, strong men and women to serve as frontline foot soldiers and cannon fodder. Be slaughtered for the glory of the Empire. While your sacrifice will never be acknowledged, you'll die horribly knowing that the idle whims of your illustrious masters have been served. Sign up before Friday for a 2% discount on your mandatory uniform. All the tabletop role-playing news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Role Players. Russ, as ever, it's absolutely fantastic to be here, and I hear we have an absolutely amazing episode lined up. We do. Uh, we have a guest who has been here before. In fact, not that long ago. They came back. They came back. <laughs> Why? <laughs> what were they thinking? <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> now, welcome back, James Intracasso. Yeah, Woo! hey, th- thanks for having me back. You know, uh, I appreciate it. I'm getting so bored here in the quarantine, so I thought, you know, maybe maybe you would, you'd be nice enough to let me come back and destroy your audio and uh, and have your listener count drop as people hear my voice return well, to the our, podcast. Our, our actual aim is to get as low a listener count as possible. We will only be happy well, well, when it's at zero. <laughs> right, right. It's like golf, We're doing right? a great job. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, James, I need to congratulate you. You're Kickstarter. Oh, thank you. I need to congratulate you, too. Ooh. Well, your Kickstarter ended on, what, 69 grand? Yes, yes, what a wonderful it did. ending. Thank right. you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I've been uh, very happy with with the way that Fantastic Layers did. So, uh, and it's all because we got that uh, that uh, Morris bump. That's what it was. It was it's the, completely, the, it's completely due yeah. to me. And I'm waiting, waiting for my check. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but also, I think congratulations are in order uh, for you as well, because as we yeah. speak, your Kickstarter is uh, doing extremely well. Yeah, thank you. We're super happy with that. We're ten days in, and we're at seventy-five thousand pounds, or just just about to hit seventy-five thousand pounds. Yes, and we are super super happy about how that's, that's going. That's pretty good. Wow, yeah. so far, okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very very nice. Exactly. Let's do some RPG news, shall we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, yes we could do some news. That'd be marvelous. Okay, so I think we're going to be starting with Wizards of the Coast and Orion Blackfin. Oh, we're, we're jumping writer. right in. Jumping, jumping right, right in. in. Right. Let's, get the, let's get the heavy stuff out of the way, and then we can do the fun stuff later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, Orion Black, uh, uh, Wizards of the Coast employee, and they announced about a week ago uh, that they were leaving the company. Uh, because uh, they didn't believe in the uh, the, the, the corporate culture. I, uh. I, I'm trying to think of how best to summarize it. Um, as as far as hiring policies with uh, p- people of ethnic minorities went, yeah. they thought there was a lot of tokenism going on. I think they yeah, said, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, they, they 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 kind of posted this uh, fairly scathing uh, open letter. Uh, oh. Which uh, largely condemned the company for for its. I think it actually said the word tokenism. Actually, didn't it? it said, yeah. uh, I believe I was a, a token hire, uh, yeah. and oh. uh, uh, yeah, um, 
uh, Wizard of the Coast, Greg um, Taito. Is it Taito or Tito? Taito. Tito. 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 Greg Tito. Um, Thanks, James. He uh, he he tweeted a uh, fairly gracious, you know. I'm really sorry, Orion, uh, for uh, you know if we let you down, and um, that he personally was going to work harder to improve the culture within Wizards of the Coast and oh. try and make it a more inclusive environment for oh. for basically people who weren't white people. I guess is the you all straight white men. Yeah, it's the yeah. short version of it. Yeah, that. Yeah, it's a it's I think it's a a fairly good point, right? So so Orion first brought this up uh when Wizards of the Coast put out their diversity statement uh mm. you know, um said like uh they said, "Hey, uh follow the actions not the words of Wizards of the Coast. I can't say more." And then uh now oh. I don't know, so Orion was a contractor, so I don't know if they left or if their contract was up or if Wizards of the Coast said, we're going to end your contract early, whatever it was, right? Um, they're they're mm-hmm. no longer with Wizards and felt like they mm. could speak out a little bit more. And uh, and it is, uh, I, I do think there's like a good point about like, if you're going to try to change the culture of a game, you should probably bring in the voices of the people who have been harmed by the culture of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Wizards of the Coast has a lot of, I think their design team is is all white, except for Orion, who's no longer on the, the team at this point. Right. Right. Um, and then uh, it's a lot of men, right? We know K- Kate Welch oh. is bopping around in there, um, but uh, but it's a, a lot of dudes too. So, and I do know they have some, you know, they have some good uh, LGBTQIA uh, representation there, right? Um, you know, Jeremy Crawford uh, is married to a man, uh, and uh, there are some other openly gay members of the design team and things like that but this is uh i think it's a a really good point that orion is raising um and one of the things that made me really sad is orion has made some good games on their own before working for wizards of the coast uh so Mm -hmm. they have up on itch.io they have uh two games one's called mutants in the night and it's a forged in the dark game uh and then the other one is called plot armor and that's like a solo rpg journaling game and both of those are really great uh and really brilliant and then you know orion said this sort of has soured their experience and they don't think they want to work in tabletop anymore uh and that made me sad because i think but their work is brilliant and I want to see more of that. Yeah. Oh. I, mean, I hope that feeling doesn't linger too long and that they do decide to work in tabletop gaming mm-hmm. again. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know a lot of people who would uh, jump at the chance to hire Orion. So I, I yeah. think uh, hopefully it will be their decision about what they want to do and not, they don't have a choice because mm. they spoke out against Wizards of the yeah. Coast or something like that. It is a pretty brave thing to have to do to actually talk about that because has a freelancer, you never want to be heard saying anything bad about someone you worked for. So it's clearly something that's come from a very mm. personal place yeah. to feel that they had to speak out in such a fashion. So I've got those two tweets from Greg Tito here. So the first one said, mm-hmm. this uh, should not have happened the way it did, and I'll continue to fight so it does not happen again. I'm sorry if I let you down, Orion. You deserve better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the second tweet uh, was in response to um, someone saying that this goes beyond making a PR statement or making a donation and making some actual changes uh, at the corporate level to make diversity, you know, part of the corporate structure. Uh, And Greg said, uh, I've said almost these exact words for years. 
and more recently to executives put in charge of a community they don't understand. I am in the awful position of saying things I believe without the company making an even single simple action of real change. Yeah. Which is strong words from, I mean, he's Wizard of the Coast. Sort of PR guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> uh, that's strong. That's strong words coming from their PR guy criticizing the company itself. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, cracky. Uh, well, I mean, it's it's the right time to speak out about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, all times are the right time, but yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I think you know, uh, Orion, right? Being a uh, a black creator, being a uh, creator who is trans, right? That huh. <laughs> in itself, uh, them speaking out uh, when they had this huge opportunity and they they could have taken it and and profited off it, right? Uh, I think. It's good then that other people, it's inspiring people like Greg to also uh, risk something and put something mm. on the line by by speaking up and, and speaking out. Because I do think yeah. that's that's really important. And, and hopefully Greg uh, does have the ear of people who can can really make some change. Yeah, so, I mean, Greg's, Greg's voice is definitely a powerful one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely an important and influential one, presumably within the mm. company and outside the company. For sure. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's the that's the bad news out of the way. Let's let's move on to nicer stuff, shall we? Well, it, I don't know if I'd characterise it as bad news oh, well, per se. It's bad news it's for like, It's tough news. Um, it, well, uh, yeah. hopefully, it turns it, into something great for them. News. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's like it, it, it's news. I don't think I'd want to assign a moral value to someone speaking out. I think the speaking out is a good thing. Hmm. Okay, uh, right then. Uh, the Klingons. The Klingons are here. Mm-hmm. Are they? Star Trek, <laughs> Star, Trek, <laughs> Star, Star Trek Adventures from Modiphius, they have released a Klingon Empire book. And the, mm-hmm. the interesting thing about this, although it's for Star Trek Adventures, it's not a supplement. It's a core oh. rule book. It repeats oh. the core rules with a few, um, you know, slight updates and uh, minor changes. But it is a core rule book. You can take that single book... And you can play Star mm-hmm. Trek Adventures, albeit from the Klingon side rather than the Federation side, without yeah. having to buy the existing core rulebook. Oh, that's that's kind of like what um, Fantasy Flight Games did with their Star Wars books. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what they did. Yeah, Fine. yeah. Um, it's an interesting approach. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people are going to be jumping on. Yeah, it's just it's, for that. It's interesting, oh. right? How many people are going to say, I want to start with the version of this game where we get to play Klingons? Yeah. Um, I, I gotta say, it sounds kind of fun. It does, well, yeah. yeah. Oh, does, I would absolutely does. play it. <laughs> mm. uh. And I wonder if it's the more, is it the more combat-heavy version then of Star Wars or oh, Star Trek Adventures, right? Because Klingons like are a more yeah, warlike yeah. culture, right? So is uh-huh. it is it like the you know, go and, and fight things and uh, and take oh. their stuff, kind of. Is it the D&D version of Star Trek Adventures? <laughs> uh, well, I can tell you it's a nearly 400-page book. Wow. It's a big old wow. book there. Uh, okay. It's got a complete version of the Star Trek Adventures 2D20 system in there, which okay. is yep. obviously going to be a big chunk of that book. Uh, guidance on how to create Klingon-focused Star Trek stories and characters. Mm-hmm. Big old extensive study of the Klingon Empire, history, culture, worlds, ships, technology, society, all the all the stuff you'd expect. An introductory adventure. 
And the, the rules, uh, the 2D20 rules, have been expanded on slightly to include rules for honour, which is a big mm. part of Klingon, Klingon um, Klingon society. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't know how that works exactly, but that's kind of baked into the system. All right. That sounds like that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So if you want to be a Klingon, do you want to be a Klingon, Peter? Yeah. I mean, I'll you look it. a bit like a Klingon. <laughs> that's true <laughs> I'll just frown more right then uh, D&D oh. Beyond let's go to D&D Beyond player okay. tools app oh yes they've got a new player app or something yeah out, they? which I haven't tried myself but no. it's available on the Apple Store Apple App Store and the Google mm-hmm. Play Store and mm-hmm. basically it just uh, manages your characters uh, tracks conditions and hit points and spell slots and mm-hmm. uh yeah, everything you'd want from a character manager. Well, if you're using D&D Beyond, then you can already do that on the character sheet. Maybe it just makes it easier or something, I guess. Well, I guess it's just about having a dedicated app because the functionality mm. was there in the web version, wasn't it? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. you could yeah. on your phone already look at your character sheet in mobile and it looked nice and, and that kind of thing. But I think this allows you to download your characters too. So if you're in some place where you don't have Wi-Fi and you need access mm-hmm. to your characters, mm-hmm. which, I mean, these days there aren't that many games happening in person. Uh, at, well, maybe in other places. In the United States, we're handling things very poorly. I don't know if you all know if that news has reached you. but uh, we, we, We've noticed. But yeah, <laughs> yes. but... In other oh, places, we're not, we're not doing a lot better, to be fair. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> let's not get let's not turn this into the politics half hour. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have a lot to say on this. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, but, uh, but I, yeah. Uh, so I think that's one of the big strengths too. Is that. Um, you know, uh, there are often times where in a convention I'll get like invited to a D&D game right last mm. minute. Oh, I'll whip up a character on D&D Beyond. Oh, there's no Wi-Fi. I don't, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. This will make it a lot easier. Things on a, a PDF can be tricky as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I assume it's just a native app just means it'll be just that bit faster as well and that bit more. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe. Bit, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that bit nicer to use. Well, in theory, anyway. Yeah. That's, that's why apps yeah. exist, isn't it? Exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 What uh, one thing that I really appreciate about D and D beyond is they, they have a big team and so they do a lot of things, but they're, they are also, they try not to put things out until they're really ready to go. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they say, this is in beta. This is in the, you know, they have a whole, um, roadmap that they let people Uh view. So you can see like they're working on a virtual tabletop, Mm. uh, when when it will show up <laughs> uh they're like we don't know yet but we're working on it yeah <laughs> yeah when it's ready <laughs> yeah yeah although yeah i, th- I think uh, D beyond is probably the first really good tech partnership that was the coasters has had because they've had quite a few over the last sort of 20 years or so and mm. a lot of them haven't worked out very well at all but i think yes. that was what really crippled fourth edition mm-hmm. if they've been able to keep the promises then might still be playing fourth edition. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. But do you yeah, remember, remember that? Do you remember Codename Morningstar or whatever that turned into? Oh yeah, that was what was supposed to launch with fifth edition, right? Yeah, was, yeah, was, right. yeah. yeah. That, oh, okay, I've that, that never heard of it. <laughs> so that, that, that was that was a company. The oh, I can't remember their name now. This is terrible because I met them at Gen Con and everything, and they showed me a demo oh, of their uh, stuff. And, okay. Anyway. Um, they uh they were basically the pre DMD Beyond contractor before before Wizards dropped them and moved to uh D Beyond instead. 
and they were working um, on a very similar set of tools. Mm-hmm. But for uh. whatever reason, Wizards of the Coast decided to end their relationship with those guys, oh. and they went on yeah. with D&D Beyond. And I think there were a lot of teething troubles with the Project Morningstar stuff, and yeah. it wasn't as extensive as people wanted it to be. And I, I think uh. D&D Beyond have fulfilled the promise that that definitely back. yeah definitely yeah that was trapdoor technologies that was it yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and they're like yeah. an ebook company right they yeah. they make yeah. a lot of ebooks and oh. and platforms for ebooks and things like that so that mm. was their idea oh, was, was they were going to be able to to put something like we have now with D beyond out but uh, for whatever reason that relationship fell apart <laughs> i seem to remember did they run a kickstarter which failed Yes, that is I correct. Yeah, that was one of the nails in the coffin when they couldn't they couldn't enthuse people yeah. enough to even back the Kickstarter. Yeah, they lost the partnership, and then they said we're gonna you know we're gonna do this for uh, for anything with an SRD was kind of yeah. there. You know, we'll we'll still put it out, and then I think they wanted a lot of money, and they didn't get close to it. Right? They yeah, wanted yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it was a big complex. big ask, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Uh- Oh, wow, okay. Uh, Yes, there's still a website for them. Are they still around, are they? No, there's still a website for them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. I I just Googled it, so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Last update, June 27th, 2014. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, wow. And there's three posts in their blog. Wow, okay. That project didn't do very well, did it? But yes, D&D Beyond is much better. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like I like making characters on it. Like it's fun. I can knock one out in about two three minutes now, mm. which is pretty good. Oh, gotcha. um, hey, yeah, it just works. Let's yeah. talk. Let's talk some critical role. Oh yes, let's. It seems that we end up talking more about controversies than we do actually about D and D news these days. It just seems to be happening an awful lot. And critical role mm-hmm. is. Well, this is kind of an anti-controversy because it turns out that someone accused them of something and an investigation took place and it took it turned out that thing hadn't happened. Um, right, it definitely hadn't happened. Oh, okay. Well, yes. as, as, far, as far as we know, as far as we know. Is, 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 that, is that news? Um, <laughs> well, it's, it's, news, it news the, it's news to the extent that they hired counsel and made a press release. Oh, so okay. they, they, they consider it important enough to, to bring to everyone's attention. Um, so, yeah. so what happened was they were accused of commissioning work from one of their community members and then uh-huh. not paying that person for that work. Wow. Okay. Uh, and, of course, uh, their response immediately was, well, no, that that's not the case. There's no employment or contractual relationship with this person. This person's never uh-huh. done any work for us. Um, yeah. But they hired outside council to investigate it independently to find out what happened turned over all their transcripts because apparently this all happened via discord mm. to investigate mm. it and uh, wow. find out what happened uh, okay. so what had happened was this person had approached them uh, yeah. uh, with complaints about online bullying and toxic behavior in the critical role community uh-huh. and one of their staff uh, sort of lent a sympathetic ear and spoke to this person on Discord at length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in, in, this, this is what the press release says. Uh, uh, you know, in the interest of, you know, being supportive, listening to the worries and issues that that person had, taking them on board and so forth. But uh, what happened was that person then uh, uh-huh. asked them 
for a job as a consultant to deal with, I believe, bullying and toxic, you know, give them sort of advice on dealing with bullying and toxic behaviour within the community, which uh, as soon as, as soon as that person started mentioning that, they sort of clearly said no. And, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, we're talking to you because you approached us, but no, we don't want to hire you for anything. Right. <laughs> uh, and then that person went public and said, "Well, uh, I've just spent the last goodness knows how long giving them advice on how to manage toxic behaviour within their community," and right. claimed that they that that consisted a contractual or employment type relationship of some kind yeah that is kind of weird i gotta say yeah i th- it sounds like what happened was essentially you know this the, the the individual um who i'm trying to find the the name of uh but that they felt they were taken advantage of right mm. that they had okay. that they had come forth and said hey i would like to talk with you about this and that Critical Role had said, oh, sure, we'd love to hear. And so they started to give some advice, and then Critical Role was asking for more and more feedback. This is th- their side of the story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I am not in the Discord. I do not have the the whole thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. And that they eventually said, you know, I should really be paid, and, and I should really be paid for the work that I've done already. And Critical Role yeah. said, well, we never agreed on that. <laughs> uh, mm. So it sounds like a miscommunication, right? Um, mm. And I, you know, yeah, I, I feel for both parties here because I think uh, uh, I think everybody, it sounds like, was maybe trying to do the the right thing. Um, so, but I, again, I don't have all the information and I, I was yeah. not involved. So Yeah, I mean, basically all I know oh. is what the press release says. Right, I haven't, exactly. I haven't dived into it any deeper than that. So I've got critical role side of it in front of me, but I, 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 haven't, I haven't got the other side. Yeah. But yeah, yeah no, yeah. I think you're probably right. It is just a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but, you know, dealing with toxic behavior and bullying in online communities is oh. a problem these days. So uh, and oh. it's not just a small problem. It's a big, big, big problem. And everyone suffers from it, like the critical world community, the D&D community, what? all the communities we're involved in. Yeah. You know, oh. everything. I'm sure, you know, uh, automotive communities and, uh, you know, yeah. everything. Ev- you know, Motorcyclists. Every, yeah, yeah. yeah, any any type of online community suffers from the same problems. I don't think it's... Yeah, I, I think nowadays as well, especially with people just being... There's a lot of pent-up people who are like really... Got, got a lot of anger mm-hmm. and a lot of fear at the moment, so that sort of thing will come out online. Mm. Um, it doesn't mean it's acceptable, but it's sort of understandable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I but, get... I know, of course, you've got some people who are just awful. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I got hit by quite a lot of it with like uh, emails yeah. and messages and stuff like that from. Oh. Yeah, I was going to say you run a community, so yeah, yeah. You, you, I mean, I've, you... I've, I'm actually looking at my website right now, and I've got three messages waiting for me, and I know each one of those is someone yelling at me. You know? mm-hmm. oh. So I'll, I'll have a look at those later. But <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry to hear that. It's just a, it's just a job. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Let's let's move on to Iron Kingdom, shall we? Yes. Oh, isn't that like a um, sort of steam jacks and black powder and mm. so forth in a fifth edition setting? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. fantasy yeah. steampunk, I guess, is the is, is the way to put it. So Iron yeah. Kingdoms actually started. I remember when it started. It was in about two thousand and one, and this uh-huh. was during D anD D three E, 
And Privateer Press uh, produced a trilogy of three D&D adventures for the, well, for the D20 system at the time under the OGL, uh, which weren't nearly as steampunk as The Iron Kingdoms has become since. They were a bit steampunk. Uh, and they were mm-hmm. really, really good. There weren't pennies. Um, they were really popular. I loved them. I ran all three adventures huh. for, my, for my group at the time. Uh, but The Iron Kingdoms then evolved from that. Uh, it became an entire setting. There was a whole big monster book and a whole setting book. Then they developed their own RPG system, which was a D6-based, I think, RPG system linked to a miniatures war system, which is kind of where their focus went for quite a long time. And now it's kind of coming full circle in that they're now producing something called Iron Kingdom's Requiem, which is a new edition of their RPG powered by 5th edition. Ooh, nice. Uh-huh. So the so so in the Iron Kingdoms you can play things like gun mages and you can use mm-hmm. war jacks and there's big steam uh-huh. trains. It's kind of um, a, a lot of this stuff you might say sort of is a little bit Eberron, but this predates Eberron by a good decade. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, uh, it's it's interesting to see this sort of circling right back round where they left D and D, did all their own stuff, and now they're coming back to this <laughs> edition. Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. It feels like they're one of the last creators to do that because a lot of people, when the OGL came out, started to circle back around, right? Mm. Because fourth edition didn't really have a great license for that, and so people had to go do their own thing. Uh, and now people are are circling back around. And I think D and D having the marketplace dominance, right, that it does, it's like, well, you know, Morris, you and I talked about this on Twitter, right? Mm. That uh, when I talk about a non-D&D system that I'm working on, it's like, you know, 13 likes. But if I make a and d joke on Twitter, it's like a thousand likes immediately. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's just the, that's just the world. That's just how it is. I exactly the same for me. If I post a D and D news item, I get you know two hundred replies mm-hmm. within a day. Mm-hmm. If I post a non D and D news item, I get a dozen if I'm lucky. Yeah, nice. that's, that's, that is just how it works, and it's it's okay. That's how it is. I mean, I don't, I don't mind, but um, mm-hmm. it's not like I'm not I'm not doing fine. But <laughs> it's but it is it is interesting. Um, because they're not the only ones that have switched around. Have you seen the latest Monty Cook Games book? Oh. Numenera mm-hmm. is now powered by 5th edition. That's oh. right. Uh, they did a Kickstarter, I think it was last year, late last year, maybe. Uh, uh, all the all the books have shipped since, and now you can actually go and buy it from the shops. Uh, really? there's, uh, they, they've done a Numenera setting for D&D 5th edition, which is basically their their world instead of using the cipher system mm-hmm. they haven't stopped using the cipher system i hasten to add they're still uh, doing uh, their entire cipher system oh, yeah, yeah. numenera line but they produced a setting book for dnd fifth edition for those who want to dive into numenera without having to learn a new system yeah so yeah it's yeah. really uh it's it's interesting and i wonder right we're, we're sometimes i think like people who are new to dnd they play dnd for a couple years and then they feel like I'd like to try something Mm. else, right? Like I'd like to tell a superhero story or a a spy story or whatever it is. Um, A judge dread story, shall Mm. we say. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, and I think now we're going to see people, especially with all of the, the 
weird Wizards of the Coast news that we've been seeing that doesn't always reflect them in a, in a great light. We will see some people starting to try new systems. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. And I think having a 5e starter as a way to get into Numenera is actually pretty smart, mm-hmm. right? Because it makes yeah. it the barrier for entry then is, is lower. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Cause, Cause you need conceptual hooks for mm-hmm. like a lot of games to make things happen. Because I've been looking at Esper Genesis, which is like you know quite an exciting science fiction conversion of Five E, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of the difficulty I'm having as I'm thinking about running it is like trying to work out what's what, what, what do all these new names mean? What does everything mean? Mm, right. Like, whereas there's sort of like a an er concept of an elf now. Like we've got generic fantasy so firmly embedded in the national consciousness, you put you put an orc or an elf into a thing and people are like, oh, okay, that's an orc, that's an elf, I know what that is, even if they're not right. Yeah. Exactly. And if you if you want to subvert expectations and play around with them, you can, but you have to try really hard. I think like things like Divinity Original Sin 2 says, you know what, elves eat people. Yeah. And that's how they learn things. Well, it's interesting like, with, oh. uh, with, with the Numenera <laughs> thing, talking about different terminology, Numenera basically has kind of a warrior, a wizard... And a rogue, but they're called, uh, I can't remember, Glaives, Jacks, and huh. something else. Do you say names? Uh, but, but they've got different, they've got, um, I mean, oh. a, a lot of Monty Cook games stuff, and, and Monty Cook stuff has done that oh. over the years as well. But, uh, they've got different names. But I've noticed on the description for Numenera's 5e setting, they have just called them Wizard, Ranger, and Rogue. Huh. Rather than go with the Numenera specific names. Interesting. Ooh. So oh, I'm wow. guessing that's, uh, as you say, a conceptual barrier removed by just getting rid of some of the terminology. Because it kind of, right. kind of feels a bit like Ooh. jargon sometimes when you go into a new game and you don't know what the words mean and you have to learn that entire terminology. Mm-hmm. Even if Yeah, yeah, like every game practically uses the term advantage. <laughs> yeah, but in and, a different way. something yeah. different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or level or something. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes they use level two or three times uh, yes, to mean yeah. different things. <laughs> I think of a game that does that. <laughs> I yeah. know. There were, I seem to recall, there were original, originally discussions of the various uses of the word level for in D&D mm-hmm. for being things like rank and mm-hmm. there were like each one of those iterations were i think one of them was was level and the others were all different words right right <laughs> and then for some reason they ended up all being i think the spells yeah. were ranks for example rather than spell levels mm. yeah which and is kind of nice yeah like, yeah, yeah. But, like order of the sticks is a fantastic bit about whether you should oh we need to go down a level in the dungeon and uh, it's like oh but but if we do but we'll go up a level Meaning, like in character level, it's like just like they're just having this who's on first style argument yes, about yeah. we should go down level so we can go up a level. But what? No, that makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel the joke much worse. <laughs> uh, I I was looking at uh, Kickstarter the other day, and we, mm-hmm. we've, as we all know, we've had a pandemic. Yeah, and have we? We, we still <laughs> are. Correct. We still are. In fact, right. <laughs> <laughs> we still are. Um, uh, it seems the uh, tabletop games on Kickstarter, despite this pandemic, have done very well so far in 2020. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It's true. Part of that is led by one game, a uh, board game, uh, Frosthaven, mm-hmm. which broke uh-huh. some records and did 13 million all on its own. Yeah, yeah, oh, the sequel wow. to Gloomhaven. Yeah. <laughs> like the sort of the uncanny valley of dungeon crawls. Yeah. I mean, uh, 
board games are an order of magnitude larger than uh, role-playing games. Uh-huh. So mm-hmm. they always do do much, much better. But um, there was a few few interesting things to notice because there was a, a, a sharp decline in products launched. So there were nearly quarter less products launched in March. And then in April, it was a third less. And in May, it was a third less. So a lot fewer products were being launched. And I... I delayed mine, you know. I, you know, I was I was worried as well. So I'm sure lots of people were thinking that I was thinking: Should I launch now? Should I wait? What's going to happen? And if I wait, will I then just be part of a glut of a thousand people who all launch at the same time when the pandemic's over? And will I get lost? So it was a hard decision yeah. when to launch. Yeah. And I don't know if you had those considerations when you guys launched Fantastic oh. Mess. Yeah, definitely. We, you know, there was a lot of of talk about when to launch and Mm. and should we launch and what's a good time to launch. And and Mm. Scott and Mike uh, and I were sort of of the opinion of like, well, things could be better in Mm. a few months or they could be worse. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly, exactly. (laughs) And so so that's why we decided to launch with our original plan, because it was going to be a lot of work for us to to revamp it, and mm. we weren't sure if that work was going to be worth the reward. Yeah. Uh, and it did turn out that it was good uh, for us, uh, you know, the, the one we launched when we did and, and everything like that. So, and I, again, you know, uh, Morris, you're, you're approaching the 100,000 US dollar mark right now. Mm. So I assume you're doing, well, you're pretty happy with your decision yeah, to launch too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the pandemic has uh, negatively affected my Kickstarter in the slightest. No, no. And I think people are eager to support uh, smaller creators right now because mm-hmm. of the pandemic, right? And like, mm-hmm. you're going to use that money and you you pay other small creators who worked on the book and, exactly. and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, I, you know, um, I, I'm glad that people are supporting Kickstarters right now because it's helping people who, who could really use the yeah. money and you get a great game. Yeah. So well, 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 the, well, the stats show, and then this was a study done by ICO partners who analysed the whole tabletop games category. Mm-hmm. Um, so, first of all, Kickstarter, uh, tabletop games category as a whole, so far this year, 2020, has made more money than any year previously. Wow. Which is astonishing. Uh, just looking at the graph, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's sharply curving up. Uh, the number of products launched in March, April, and May went uh-huh. down, but wow. those products that were launched, the uh-huh. uh, the percentage of those that funded successfully was not affected. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they were Ooh. so those that were launching were still funding just fine. Wow, which is good news, I guess. Yeah, that uh, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting, huh? So what would it be like? <laughs> so has the pandemic do you think the pandemic has affected the amount of money coming in or do you think it would be this way even if the pandemic hadn't happened obviously more i feel like more products would have launched on kickstarter maybe i mean frost frost haven made like oh. a third of the total money raised in May. yeah Matt. that's so true that's that's true that's obviously made a big difference uh without oh. that I'm not sure what the stats would look like. I haven't got absolute... Mm. I have got absolute numbers in front of me, but I can't do the maths in my head right now looking at it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But without that, I don't know what it would look like. Um, It, on its own, has raised 10% of the total for the entire year so far, Mm. which I suppose Mm. makes the total, therefore, 130 million. 
So it's hard, it's hard to say. Hard to say. I don't know. All yeah. I know is I'm happy. I'm happy with how mine's going, and I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's been affected by the pandemic at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Yeah, I, I would encourage people to just continue as normal when it comes to launching Kickstarters at the moment. And actually, loads of like the Beowulf one funded great, and uh, lo- loads of them are funding really well. Your one, James, funded great. I mean, you having know, a quality product yeah. is going to help, though. Because That's ultimately, true. people are like, "Is it is it any good?" Yeah. If you can't tell it's any good from the Kickstarter, you're gonna have a bad time. Yeah, but that's the same irrespective of a pandemic, though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's like it it, it is an important factor. But are there any really good looking Kickstarters that have failed to fund? Because it's basically the same sort of thing you've got to do. You've got to build up that sort of audience base first. I think a good Kickstarter usually funds. If a Kickstarter yeah. doesn't fund, I don't think it's usually. I don't think it's usually due to luck. Um, yeah, I, I can definitely think of some products that I think like, hey, this was a great product and, and I backed it or whatever, but it didn't uh, fund. And it's usually because the creator has a hard time getting the word out. That um, doesn't, so, yeah, that doesn't yeah. help. I and mean, it is yeah. difficult. It is very, very difficult. But yeah. Or they set a goal that is very high. Well, right? that's just, yeah, yeah, that's just a mistake, though, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's, that's bad yeah. Kickstarter management when you do that. You've got, to, you've got to manage the actual Kickstarter itself well. You've got to set right. the right, right, right pledge total, uh, pledge amounts. You've got to set the right funding goals. So you've got to, you know, you've got to get it all that right. Because if you get some of those numbers off, mm-hmm. your Kickstarter is going to be, you know, exactly negatively affected. I mean, I spend ages calculating these things to make sure oh. I've got the numbers correct. You know, I get spreadsheets out and everything. I get totally nerdy yeah. on it. <laughs> Oh yeah, you should. That's, what, that's a big project. You need to get your money in place. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. Right, perhaps we should move on slightly because I feel we're in topic of the week territory rather than the quick blaze through the news. So perhaps we should be <laughs> yeah, doing. Okay, so uh, I've got one last piece here. We have got a uh, tier four campaign for fifth edition with a warlock theme. What? Awesome. Okay. So that's um, here. Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people want more tier four content mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and this is an entire campaign it's 10 it says 10 acts i'm assuming that means 10 short adventures i'm guessing right uh, yeah. so it's coming to kickstarter soon it's coming in september yeah. by apothesis uh, studios mm-hmm. and it's inspired by the art of a rock album called the red opera by a, a group called uh, dia morte Yes. <laughs> I, that, I don't know. Is them. that apotheosis? Uh, no, no. A, a apothesis. Apothesis. Yes. Ooh, weird. Yes. Ah. Oh, no. Wow. Dear no, no, they've got no, they, no, they've got an H and an E, which is joined together with just... Oh. So it looks like apothesis, and it's not. It is apotheosis. <laughs> it's just that the yeah, E okay. is just some prong sticking out of the side of the H. Oh, right. It really okay. does look <laughs> like apothesis. <laughs> Ah, terrible kerning, the vein yes. of the vein yeah. of redesign. It's, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's the font. I apologise. It is apotheosis. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because apotheosis is a word that means ascendancy to got to. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's ah. just a, it's just the font. It's uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, the Red Opera. Weird. Sorry, I do think the Red the Red Opera, the last days <laughs> of the Warlock. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is really fascinating. So, Di- Dia Morte, Ooh. they do. Oh God, I don't. Uh, uh, 
if you've ever played like a Castlevania video game, mm-hmm. um, that's what their uh-huh. music sounds like. It is like uh, rock Ooh. symphony with pipe organs and like full orchestral arrangements so we, behind it. So we're sort it of talking stuff. clog rock here. Is that, uh, <laughs> is, that, is, that is that the thing? <laughs> and uh, I. Yeah, it's more like <laughs> symphonic rock, like right. like Trans Siberian Orchestra, kind of. That's like a very loose <laughs> analogy, but yeah. So it's um, yeah. this is kind of. I think this is going to be very cool, uh, and uh, the artwork for it, everything like looks really amazing that they've shown oh, off the so far. Gorgeous, yeah, isn't it? Look yeah. at that, lovely artwork. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I I'm worried about them because it's tier four content, right? This this the the upper tiers of the game. I think a lot of people stay away from, mm. and I think it's because it's hard to run, right? Uh, so hopefully this will have like a lot of good advice about that, and I I'm definitely going to check it out when it drops because it looks really good, uh, and uh, and the fact that it's inspired by a rock album uh, really intrigues me. Mm. Well, I am definitely going to be checking it out. Um, they've uh, sent along some previews, which uh, are on my website, and we'll stick the links to that in the show notes. And that just shows some of the really, really gorgeous page spreads and some of the art that they've got going on there. Uh, and you can sign up to be notified by the Kickstarter already. You know, the whole Kickstarter coming soon page where you click on it and Kickstarter will email you when, when the project launches. So you can do that now, ready mm-hmm. for its September launch. Kerbal uh, Press... Ah, so let's have a look. Kerbal Press, yeah, they've just welcomed uh, Amanda Heyman, I want to say, as Mm. editorial director. She used to work for Paizo as the managing developer of Starfinder, and she is now working for Kerbal Press as their new editorial director. Yeah. Which is great news. Yeah. That is uh, huge news. <laughs> uh, Could you give me some context then? Because I don't think I understand why it's huge. So, Cobalt Press, I feel like for the last several years, has really been building up a, a lot of um, like staff that it mm. has. <laughs> so, Cobalt Press is a uh, obviously run by uh, Wolfgang Bauer, um, mm-hmm. and uh, they mm-hmm. put out a lot of great uh, third-party content, um, the Tome of Beasts. Yeah. Creature Codex, yeah. right? All that. Kind I, I of think stuff. it's probably fair to say they're the probably the premier D and D third party company. I definitely think yeah. so. I, and so the fact that they can, I, I wouldn't yeah. say they're poaching people from Paizo necessarily, but the fact that someone from Paizo would say, "I would like to go work at Cobalt Press," I think says a lot about how Cobalt Press is doing, mm. or a lot about mm-hmm. how Paizo is doing. I guess, mm. or both, maybe both, right? <laughs> uh, but I mean, Paizo seems to be doing fine. So, uh, so I think that's. That's great news for Cobalt Press, uh, and uh, and great news for Amanda too. Then mm. um, that's an exciting partnership. Yeah, uh, there was also hiding in that announcement. There's a, a live stream um, set in Cobalt Press's default five E setting, Midgard. Oh yeah, and she is going to be the GM of that live stream. That was oh, buried cool. in the announcement there. Yeah. I know that Dan Dillon for a while has done a, a live stream, right? He's a Watsi employee yeah, now, but yeah. uh, he has continued to keep that up uh, in Midgard. And I know that uh, the crafting muse uh, also does a, a Midgard stream for mm. them. So they're, they're clearly beefing up their streaming as well. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it sounds to me definitely like uh Kerbal press is becoming, you know, it's definitely the premium 
premium premiere uh they're, they're, they're an excellent third party source and i regard their stuff as very reliable like in the sense that it feels like really a lot better playtesting yeah. than some of the other things i see i mean they're sort of in that same field as sort of green running and um, mm. um you know i always sort of saw them as smaller than paizo but it looks like maybe they're creeping mm. up there towards towards paizo levels I don't know how, how big the difference is or how big the gap is, mm. but or Monty Cook Games or something like that. Mm. There's that there's that group of companies sort of in Seattle which which are kind of similarly sized and uh, they all kind of have uh, ex uh, Wizard of the Coast staff leading them, right? And they all right. do really 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 high quality, really good, which they should do because you know they've got really talented people with experience yeah. in the industry running them, so. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, good pedigree for yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, that's the phrase. Yeah, yeah, good pedigree. Right, I do believe we have finished the news. It's time to play our favorite game. It's time to play the game. Our favorite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Right, shall we play our favorite game in all the world? Yes, I have been looking forward to this since last podcast. <laughs> remind me, remind me, remind me who won last time. Was it you, James? I can't uh, remember. I think, Maybe? yeah, I think Peter yeah, might have won. Yeah. Actually, I think Peter won. Are you sure? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> that, doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like Peter. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Catherine right. Russ is doing the scorekeeping anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I am uh, dedicating. I think it was a tie, and this is going to be our dramatic <laughs> uh, rematch yeah, here. Yeah, uh, it's, it's oh, the Rocky it. Two yes, of our. Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel you're taking this a lot more seriously than I am. James. <laughs> this is a true blood feud now. It's <laughs> <laughs> really a blood feud. What? Oh, okay, yes, I suppose I can join in. That's why I'll well, I, yeah, yeah. I um, because yeah. it's so serious and so important. I am putting the scoring in the hands of Hudson, my dog, this week. So Hudson will be scoring. <laughs> that can't be. I can't think of anything fairer than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Nothing fairer. Right. Who would, who would like to go first? Uh, would you like to go first, James, or shall I? Yes. Well, when I was on here last time, I did say that choosing to go second is the coward's way. Uh, so, so since you've thrown the choice to me, I must. I have to choose to go first now. Uh, because... I am not a coward. <laughs> but, but you do keep losing, so yeah. I'm say. <laughs> I mean, that's okay, James. I don't do it. I appreciate your progress. You know, I would rather. I Peter's would rather. His, Peter's putting on his gauntlets now. Look at that. He's, <laughs> that's right. That's right. I'd rather. I'd rather uh, I'm, go I'm, down a brave man than win a coward. That's a. Uh, I'm saying that now in case uh, I in case I lose. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, so you want, you want to go down? All right, I'll, I'll do my best to oblige. Right. <laughs> yes. oh, what's this? Is this my handbag full of kittens? <laughs> oh, must be time for the note. Right. So, <laughs> so our favorite game in all the world, the game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter, and you guess what it is from just the name, and we'll be starting with James. So, James, are you ready? I am ready. Right. What is this? What is Project Infinite Hole. Who? Uh, hmm. Take your mind out of the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> Project Infinite Hole is a 
horror Starfinder campaign uh, about a black hole that keeps expanding and is going to swallow the universe. Hmm. It is not. Ah. It is not that. <laughs> oh, so what it is is a paranoia boxed set of experimental devices to test 64 <laughs> lovingly crafted pages with 40 experimental devices from the R&D labs, a book of 80 pages describing this uh, Project Infinite whole group in detail, including how it works, new locations, NPCs, <laughs> a mission book full of 128 pages giving you missions to play a paranoia campaign, and an R&D deck with 120 cards with surveillance devices, weapons, Cortec apps, defensive devices, armor, and all that lovely stuff. It's got it uh, all. It's got it all. Yeah. That sounds like an interesting Kickstarter, but I, I've never got that from the name. <laughs> well, there is, okay. it is one of those ones with a colon. You know, I always miss out the colon part. So it's Project mm -hmm. Infinite wow. Hole, because the colon always explains it. So Project Infinite Hole... <laughs> colon, an R&D source box for the Paranoia RPG. Oh, sure, yeah, that's the answer. Uh, that's yeah. the answer. Obviously, right I there. couldn't read that bit. <laughs> 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 of course. Uh, so, unfortunately, unfortunately, James, you have scored how many points? Have, where have you gone, Hudson? Oh, he's finished. The scorekeeper! The, the scorekeeper is gone! <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I guess there's those bits and so zero, zero points. Zero points, I guess. <laughs> yes, but remember, we did say it's like golf at the beginning. So, uh, I'm, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. so I'm winning. Oh. I'm winning right now. All right, then. <laughs> All right, then. Peter, Peter, can you score more than zero points? Unlikely. Let's see what we can do. Come we on. can give it a try. If it's any oh, comfort, yeah. you get to listen to me trying to pronounce a foreign word. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I should probably wait till you've actually tried to say it before I start laughing. Yeah, at you. yeah I, might, I might do it really well for you now. Unlikely. But we can give it a try. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, journal. Mm -hmm. Dindochine. D apostrophe Indochine. Oh, uh, General Dindo Shine. So that would be, I guess, a. I think a Vietnam inspired uh, sort of game. It's all about the Indo China, which I think is the name for Vietnam. Uh, maybe it's actually even before then. Maybe it's like sort of a pre American involvement. It's actually about the French involvement in Vietnam, which didn't go super well, like DB and Fu being like the classic example for those like nah we need to leave um oh okay so yeah i guess it's a, a journal which implies a storytelling game of some sort so i guess it's sort of a a sort of a war memoir style thing uh how would you make that work as a game i'm not sure i guess it's got like a a rule system i'm hoping for something that's got a bit of melancholy a bit of sad to it i don't think it's an action-packed one i think it's like very much a mood-driven and narrative story game, but I can't think of what I would use to run that. But yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Wow. Well, that's exactly what it is. Really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I, my hat is off to you, sir. That was impressive. That other, was very other, impressive. Other, other, than, other than picking a system. Yeah. I, uh, and it's for Call of Cthulhu. 
Uh, of course. Oh, of course, uh, Yeah, that would make sense. Horror and intrigue in French colonial era Vietnam. Yeah. Wow, wow. Peter, that, that is astonishing. <laughs> yeah. Are you cheating? Did you back this no. Kickstarter? Did no, you? No. <laughs> I, I, that, 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 was, that was just lucky because it's a good name though. Because like that, that that's the first thing that popped into my head when I heard it. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm going to have to give you a full seven points out of seven for that. Woo-hoo. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Well done. That was wow. impressive. Yeah. Impressive. So, well, Peter, so, so Peter. Sometimes the dice just aren't in your favour. <laughs> Peter takes <laughs> strong lead. That's okay. That's okay. I'm going to get 14 We're on this next round. one. Everything to play for. Mm. Second round. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, this is interesting. Uh-oh. The Legends of Omeria starter set. Now, I wouldn't normally read out the entire title like that because that kind of gives it away. But there's a slight twist to it, which you're going to have to get for the points. Okay, Legends of Omeria starter set. Well, this is obviously uh, the starter set for Legends of Omeria. (laughs) Yep, Um, yep. (laughs) You don't get points for that. Ah! Let's see, Legends of Omeria. I'll be honest. Uh, Okay. So I'm going to say Legends of Amaria is its own RPG, right? That this this is something this person is starting, but they're running it on, uh, I'm going to say Fate, uh, that they're using Fate, um, and it's like a whimsical uh, adventure romp where you play like a bunch of farmers rising up to meet a dark overlord who is oppressing them. Uh, this dark overlord, he wears like a breathing apparatus because, uh, he was on Nustafar and he got his legs cut off by his old master. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that is my guess that it's Star Wars with fate. You are exactly right. Yes, I did it. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so the weird twist with this is, it is a starter set Mm -hmm. for Legends of Amelia, but it is Mm -hmm. a D&D 5th edition starter set. And I've never oh. heard of anyone doing this except for Wizards oh, of the Coast. Oh, that is a twist. So this is a really Ooh. interesting thing. So this is a D&D 5th edition starter set produced by someone other than Wizards of the Ghost. Huh. Uh, it's That's by interesting. By DM Dave. You might be familiar with DM Dave from the large number of Facebook ads. Have mm-hmm. you seen those? I'm seeing them I all the time not. in my feed. Loads and loads. Uh, this guy's spending oh. a lot of money on Facebook ads. Right. Yeah. That does ring bells, like DM Dave and Facebook He's has. got a Patreon with like 13,000 backers or something. Or oh, is it, really? it $13,000? Huh. One of the two. It's, it's, it's a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Which yeah, is probably why he's able months. to afford all these uh, Facebook ads. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's, guess, he's producing yeah. a fifth edition starter set, uh, which comes with everything you need to play the world's most popular game. It's a uh, 64-page adventure uh, an improved version. He says improved version of the classic fifth edition rule set. I don't know uh-huh. how. I don't know how it's improved, but it's improved. Um, it's not. Ooh. It's got miniatures. It's got dice. It's got battle mats. Wow, that's this is ambitious. Yeah, it really yeah. is. I'm it really is. You're looking at seventy dollars for that. So, mm. like the Wizards of the Coast starter set is what twenty dollars ish, I think. Uh, Paizo's one's about 30, I think. 
This one is $70, but you do get a lot of stuff. Oh. Right. Uh, and wow. it's, it's funded. Uh, it's done $56,000 with six days to, do, to go, so it is funded. I'm actually tempted to back this one. This is... This is a this is a very deluxe starter set. Yeah. Right. Legends of Foam area. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Good for him. I just find it really interesting seeing someone doing a D and D starter set and them not being Wizard of the Ghost. It's yeah. Just, yeah, it is. That's oh. fascinating. I mean, that was a good twist. I gotta say. It would never even have occurred to me to do that. Now, I, I would like to argue that we don't know that there isn't a Dark Lord as part <laughs> of this adventure. <laughs> It's Schrodinger's Dark Lord, right? Okay, uh, well, well, so. well I, I, I don't feel you should quit with the judging. Because <laughs> yeah. otherwise, we hear. I, mean, I mean, I'm already at zero. What could go wrong? <laughs> I, 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 I do agree that there is no way to know that there definitely isn't a Dark Lord, but I will say there is no evidence to suggest that there is a Dark Lord. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I accept your humble ruling, Judge. <laughs> <laughs> Although, if it does turn out to be, if Darth Vader does turn out to be in this box set, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then then we shall be covering retroactively. News you will score a million points. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I will. I will yeah. gloat retroactively yes. if uh, yeah. if that okay. happens. <laughs> okay, then. <You> do that. <laughs> so, unfortunately, James has scored zero points so far. Uh, and Peter has scored seven points. So all Peter, all you have to do is not score minus seven points to win. Yay. And I think <laughs> what we will go with is... <laughs> which one of these should I choose? We won't go with mythological figures and maleficent monsters, because that... Oh, just well. I have no idea what that would be. <laughs> uh, let's go with things heroes say. Hmm. I wonder if this is like the Handbook of Heroes, which is a well-established comic strip. Uh, in this case, I guess things heroes say would be... Uh, I, guess, I guess what I would expect from something like that is maybe like a set of comic strips and so forth, which all have like, you know, just D&D jokes. Basically, it's a book of D&D memes, not to put it too fine, um, uh, with like sort of... Lots of nice hand-drawn art, but probably not too big. Um, but, yeah, I'm hoping probably start off black and white going to full colour. Uh, a book of RPG-related humour. You are correct. Except. Except <laughs> uh, the <laughs> illustrations are a lot more lavish, big and full colour than I think you're expecting. It's wow. not comic book but, art. It's re- This is done by a professional oh. illustrator. A nice. concept artist. It's gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous art. Absolutely beautiful art. He's a London-based creator. Um, Ooh, even better. Yeah, well. it's, it's absolutely beautiful, actually. Oh. Uh, uh, and it's accompanied by sort of phrases, that uh, yeah. things like, um, uh, dead or alive, that thing is going in my lunch pack, or is this a challenge, you scary <laughs> abomination? You think you can stop my thunder? Things that D&D heroes might say. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, what's it, Bringy Jones? Mm. Yes, okay. A fantasy art book slash RPG yeah. phrase book. Already funded. It's done <laughs> five grand out of a £350 goal. Seven days to oh, go. Nice. Uh, I like this enough that I am going to back it. Uh, yeah, that's a really cool idea. Nice. Yeah, 
Oh, um, it sort of reminds me a little bit of uh, Jacob, who did the side art. I cannot rem- it, He's got an Eastern European name that I cannot... Jacob Rosalski, mm. uh, who did all those like sort of battle mechs and so forth, and things like, you know, uh, are you okay? Yeah, it's got that sort of theme to it. Oh, okay, these are... And it's got like sort of word art, like put up your socks, boys, yeah. it's a big old drag. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is... That is Pretty nice, actually. Oh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. And with that, oh. I think we have to call an end to this week's favourite game in all the world. Ah. And sadly, oh. sadly, we do have to announce Peter the winner. Much yeah, to my, I was, death. I mean, you destroyed me, Peter. Just totally yeah, left me wrecked in this one. <laughs> uh, so you know, my hat is off to you, but uh, I'll be back. I'll be back. So I have oh, to say. yes an adventure we have been asked to rescue the prince from the maleficent wizard what's in it for us well the queen offered us 500 gold each i don't even get out of bed for 500 gold tell her 5000 gold in advance or the deal's off I don't know, Grimey. I mean, that's a lot of money. We are not a charity. Fine, fine. I'll tell her. Now, let's plan the journey. I think the southern route is the fastest. Wait, what are you doing? I am just standing here in the shadows. Yeah, mate, I can see that. I was trying to talk to you. Can you step out of that corner, please? You can still see me. No, yes, but you're, you're dressed all in black and standing quite remarkably still yes it is my way it is not really conducive to a free exchange of ideas i do not wish to exchange ideas fine fine well anyway the southern route circles the edge of the great desert no 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 what we will not take the southern route why ever not we shall take the northern route through the forest of twilight, and travel only under the light of the black moon. But why? It is my way. The northern route will take twice as long, three times if we wait for the black moon. Indeed. Look, you're not being very helpful there. No. Fine, fine. The northern route it is. I only hope the prince will still be alive when we get there. And I shall travel alone. What? I shall strike a lonely, solitary figure silhouetted against the sky. But, Grimy, what about me? Well, you may travel behind, at a distance of one mile. I... I what? I shall stand silent, emanating a sense of desolation and heartache. And that will help free the prince, will it? No. Then why do it? It is my way. Look, maybe you should just do the thing your way, and I'll do it my way. I'll walk in darkness, forever alone. Yeah, you do that, mate. You do that. I'm going to take the southern route and rescue the prince. I shall ride forlorn, my black cape shrouding me in mystery and stoic resolution, my face unseen and my motives unknowable, my very aspect one of emptiness, as though my soul were distant and remote. I shall be foreboding, a harbinger, a lone wolf, aloof and reserved, my countenance eerie and unnerving, enveloped in an air of cool confidence and dark secrecy. I shall be an enigma, a phantom in the night, a ghost in the shadows, a whisper on the breeze. All who witnessed me shall... Uh, 
Wait, where did he go? Hello? Don't leave me behind. I'm scared of the dark. Right then, so let's talk about your brand new science fiction or science fantasy, is it? Science, oh, science fantasy. Oh. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Although it, I, I, I will mean, accept science fiction. If we're going to make fiction. the thing, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. Right, yeah, because this is, this is important. I like, feel yeah. like science fantasy falls under science fiction, um, even though yeah. like a hardcore nerd is going to get in your face and, and yell at you about how they Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a subcategory <laughs> of science fiction. It's yeah. I, 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 okay, so science fantasy. Are we talking like full-on space opera? Or have we got some wriggle room in the science fantasy? Uh, so it's very space opery, uh, I would mm, say. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, where are we on a scale of one to Grey Lensman? So uh, that's a good question. Uh, I we're we're pretty far into like uh, somebody the other day said it reminded them of like eighties, really weird, almost psychedelic, uh, and I think that that's hmm. probably a, a, a pretty good description. So, uh, right. yeah. Well, before yeah. we dive any deeper, I think we should first quickly introduce it because we oh, haven't actually sure. mentioned it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I think just like talk about it right, without right, actually saying what it is. Right, exactly. <laughs> never say the name. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so uh, this is that, that's that's what everyone wants in their publicity. <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> so this is uh, this is Burn Bright, which is your brand new uh, RPG, which yes. is designed specifically for use yeah. on the Roll Twenty platform. Yes. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it kind of, um, obviously, I would prefer there not be a pandemic right now, but it kind of <laughs> hit at a good time in the sense that a lot of people are have learned to use Roll20 mm-hmm. in the last couple months, yeah. right? Um, and uh, and have transferred their games on there and, and that sort of thing. So, uh, But we've been working on the game for more than three years, so wow. it's exciting for it to be out now, yeah. So what what prompted you to, because you're, to me, I know you as a D&D guy, yeah. Your blog is all about <laughs> D&D, you've released DM's Guild stuff, you're involved with D&D Kickstarters, um, mainly when you talk on Twitter, you're talking about D&D. So what, what, what is it that made you want to try something different and delve into a, an original RPG? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. So I've always wanted to do some original RPG stuff. I like mm. D&D a lot, obviously, yeah. right? Like I'm I'm so immersed in it and I think it's a really fun game uh, and I like uh-huh. designing for it. Um but uh I've always wanted to uh, do things with other RPGs. Uh and Morris, you know, we uh, earlier we just said, right? Like getting away from D&D can be hard because a lot of people play it and it, you can find an audience there and mm. When it's your income, right, um, uh, yeah. it's it's sometimes hard to take the risk and leave D&D behind. Um, but this was, uh, so I wrote, uh, I wrote a uh, adventure, um, I guess it's kind of like a starter set for Roll20 when the OGL first came out. Right. And the idea was, uh, it was a D&D <laughs> adventure that taught you how to play D&D and taught you how to use Roll20. And it's available for free on Roll20 still, actually. It's called the Master's Vault. Um, and while I was 
working on that, I was talking with uh, Nolan T. Jones, who's the CEO of Roll20, mm. uh, and and who was sort of shepherding that project along. He really wanted to see it about like, you should do more original content. You have this great platform, you know, and he said, oh, yeah, we're, we're thinking about that already. Um, and so we, we sort of kicked the idea around a little bit, and he said, I'd love to do an original role-playing game um you know like like sort of how netflix used to only have shows that other people made and Mm. now netflix has a lot of their own stuff i think that was kind of the like maybe we'll dip our toe into original content and see how it goes and so you know we started to kick it around and then uh i put together a design team and uh and we we kind of went from there we knew that Roll20 was interested in sci-fi um, and and so we started to kick around ideas and it was funny that so the whole idea of burn bright and bright is spelled b-r-y-t-e mm-hmm. um, yeah. and the idea of a, a bright in this world is an age right so like uh, there's the oh. you know the exploration bright is their age of exploring space and, and finding stuff like that right um, and so in, in the burn bright there is this phenomenon phenomenon that has surrounded the Olaxis galaxy, which is kind of this last Ooh. galaxy in existence, and it's slowly closing in. And it looks like this bright orange kind of uh, borealis effect. Mm. And as it touches planets and people and spaceships and asteroids and moons and stuff, it disappears. And it's those things are never seen or heard from again. And so it's like, what is this phenomenon that is slowly destroying our galaxy and our entire existence? Um, We don't say Uh, we, we give some suggestions of what it might be, but it's kind of up to the the GM. Mm. And so that idea actually came about, because we're lazy. Um, so, because when we sat down to do sci-fi, we were like, wow, you know, space is so big and there could be so many planets and you could go anywhere yep. and do anything. And we were like, that sounds like a lot to design. Uh, how do we not yeah. do that? Uh, and so we decided uh, to have the world, the you know, the universe ending. Oh, we'll, we'll palm it off on the GM. So they were like, oh, exactly, like, okay. exactly. <laughs> so so how, far, how fast is this thing closing in then? Is this kind of like... Uh, Everything's going to be gone in a hundred years, a thousand. How? So that's uh, people kind of estimate that maybe we have uh, like a hundred to five hundred years left. Oh wow! Right, that's fast. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is, uh, it is fast, but it's also enough that like your your character is probably not going to be there at the very yeah, very end, yeah. right? And so the game is sort of about like there's this hopeless situation. Will your character? can your character still be a good person Mm. in the face of all this, right? Like, will they still make the decision to save people? Will they still, still make the decision to help out, to share all that kind of stuff in the face of people who are profiting off of this, Mm. people who are panicked. And so they don't, care that they're you know shooting their friends out of an airlock to to uh save on food right because as every planet disappears resources disappear homes disappear all that kind of stuff um so that's a that's a big part of it uh, is the burn is shaping everything that is now happening in the galaxy alliances are falling apart wars are happening uh you know uh these giant guilds uh that exist are challenging people and and taking up all the resources and that kind of thing. And so your characters are kind of like 
the people in the universe who are going to help the downtrodden, right, hopefully. Right. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is sort of the central idea. And then the other thing, so this is where we get kind of weird with it because uh, it's a universe where there's magic, right? And so, like, all the technology is powered by magic and can do some really incredible kinds of things. And your spaceship, like, your spaceship is powered by this entity that is summoned inside of it and bound to the spaceship mm-hmm. and you can ask them and, and tell them what to do and stuff like that. So th- it's a big part of like, we wanted to capture that science fantasy yeah. feel of uh, uh-huh. going on adventures and fighting against forces that are bigger than you and hopelessness and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is a big, yeah. big part of it. Is, it. is it John Scalzi with the God Engines? I'm sorry? John Scalzi with God Engines or is it someone else I'm thinking of? Uh, I don't know. Uh, taking an entity, binding it into your spaceship to help you fly around the place. Oh, cool. I do not know. No, I do not know. <laughs> I, 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 I thought maybe that was an influence, but that uh, <laughs> sounds it awesome. So is, yeah, you've got, you've got stuff that you can hang things off because science fiction is such a huge field. You can't be expected to keep it with all of it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, so that's yeah, totally. so yeah. what, what sort of adventures do you tend to have when you're in this, this sort of, not quite desperate, but in, there's definitely a sense of impending doom and gloom. What's the what's the sort of adventure you might find yourself, or PC might find themselves going on? Yeah, Ooh. so that's a great question. So Roll20, um, right, we wanted to play to the strengths of Roll20. Roll20 was originally oh. built for 4th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah. Um, okay. And so maps, right, were a big part of 4E, big part of mm. Roll20. And so we have a lot of adv- uh, adventures that we're designing or, or have already put, put out that kind of feel um, like dungeon crawly in space, mm. right? Um uh, the first adventure uh, is about going to save a group of people from a cult, and this cult worships the burn, right? They, right. they This universe-ending phenomenon, they think that if they worship it, when it finally comes to take them, they'll be rewarded, right? And so they sacrifice people to it. And so they've captured a whole bunch of uh, sort of like displaced refugees who have had their homes destroyed by the burn, mm-hmm. and now they've taken them to this abandoned spaceship at the very edge of the burn, uh, and it's up to the characters to go save them. So right. that is the first adventure um so so uh you know going through like derelict uh space stations uh crystal caves on a planet that kind of thing like so that's a big part of it and then space travel and space exploration is a really big part of it um you know the galaxy uh you live on your spaceship and so again playing to roll 20 strength one of the big things you do during character creation is you and your friends grab a spaceship map and you build like the rooms on the spaceship Mm. together, right? You can drop in and swap out different components and customizable and stuff like that. Resize them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So you can custom build your own spaceships and that's part of the character creation session. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So you you all build your characters and then any leftover money you have Mm. at the end after Uh you buy your equipment goes into a group pool and you use that group pool to buy stuff to trick out your spaceship. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of, and that's a big thing because spaceship combat happens on that map. So when you're in spaceship combat, right? Like the one thing we wanted to avoid is 
a lot of times in a role-playing game, there's like the pilot character, mm. right? Who doesn't do anything for three sessions. And then for two hours of one session, they do everything and everybody else just sits yeah, there, right? Yeah. And it's yeah, like, yeah. that's not fun. That's so boring. Yeah. yeah. And, and, so, and, and, and then there's the converse, which is someone said, they said to you as a GM, I'm, I'm taking the ace feet. I've got all the piloting and driving skills. And you're like, yeah <laughs> exactly i guess i better shoehorn in some <laughs> space battles here right yeah uh, and so the idea in burn bright is that you during spaceship combat you're running around all over this spaceship mm. map to do different uh, things. Uh. So you might run to the engines and, uh, you know, uh, jury rig them to give some extra power and then run uh. over to a cannon and shoot a cannon at some people mm. uh, while your uh, friends uh. are like running to the pilot controls to do some stuff. And then somebody else is repelling borders and somebody else is putting out a fire that's just started mm. on your ship and that kind of thing. That does sound fun. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so we used, you know, the map, that ship map is a, is a really big part of it. And then the other thing is, um, it's an original system, uh, you know, and when I say original, nothing is new under the sun. And I'm sure that we have mechanics that, uh, that other people have used before, but we're not using any particular engine or anything mm. like that, um, to make it, uh, and, and it's something you can play at a physical table, but roll 20 makes it a lot easier um it's like a skill-based system uh and so each skill has a different die size associated with it d4 okay. d6 d8 d10 mm -hmm. or d12 oh, yeah. um the bigger the die the better you are with that skill and yeah, we, we, we've been discussing the the way it's supposed to work i gotta say it took a long time for us to work out that you'd roll doubles on 5d4 yeah <laughs> Not, we weren't smart people. Oh, like yeah, that. <laughs> yeah. If, you, if you're rolling more dice than the, than the number of sides that type of dice has, then you're going to yeah, get a double. Right. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, that's true. So, so have I got this right? So the idea of the system is you've got a die yeah. size based on how good you are. So it might be like d8s. Mm. You're really good at it. D4s. You're not so good at it. Mm. The complexity right. of the task. The mm. higher the number, the more difficult it is, and that tells you mm. how many of those dice you have to roll. And then if you roll doubles, you fail. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So if you roll doubles, if any of your dice match, yeah. um, you you fail. And so, and that's the, the, the basic idea. And when you fail, it's not just you failed to do the thing. Mm. It's something goes wrong. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you might hurt yourself or an ally or break a piece of equipment yeah. or that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so that's why okay. there's there's always some sort of risk associated with failure. Um, mm -hmm. And so we roll to see, like, the, it's assumed your characters are competent and can usually do what they want to do. We roll to see if you fail. Um, and, uh, and that has worked out uh, pretty well. Uh, especially in combat, because the way combat works is on your turn, you can take any number of actions you want until you decide you're done or until you fail. Mm. Um, uh. So it's kind of like a push your luck. Are you going to keep going yeah. and keep trying to take actions knowing that you might uh, make things worse if you do? And so uh, that so is, that has been really fun. It's a pretty original system. I've not heard of that before. So you, you came up with that yourself? Was that a group effort? Was... How do you, how do you oh, come up yeah. with a system like that? Because there's got to be some weird probabilities going on with that as well, which... 
Great question. Yeah. Yeah. So we and one of the things we did was we included in the game. There's a probability table. Mm. And the reason for that is right. It's not the same. Like when you increase the complexity, uh, it's an exponential increase, not an incremental. Right. right? So like in D&D, when your DC goes from, uh, you know, 10 to 11, that means it's 5% harder. Yeah. Right. And then when you go from 11 to 12, it's another 5% harder. That's not how it works in Burn Bright. Um, It's it's all different based on the number of the complexity and the size of the die and all that kind of stuff. Mm. So we put a chart in there to help GMs understand like even increasing the complexity by one is going to make it a lot harder. Yeah. Right. Especially when you cross that threshold of four to five, there is a big difference there, Mm. no matter what kind of die you're rolling. Okay. But so it was a group effort. Um, And so the, the design team, I I have to shout out, it was me and uh, a guy named Jim McClure, who Mm -hmm. I think really isn't doing much in RPGs anymore. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then a woman named Kat cool, who hosts the autonomic podcast. And she used to host the campaign podcast Mm -hmm. on one shot. And then Darcy Ross, um, who works for Monty games now. Yeah. Um, so that was the the sort of the main design team. And we uh, Jim actually originally came up with this idea and mechanic. And then we all sort of uh, worked on it and 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 refined it mm. together. So how much how much playtesting did you have to do with that mechanic specifically? Because it is I mean, I am fascinated by the mechanic because it is it's an mm. interesting one. And it's also one of those ones that I think I would struggle to come up with myself. And it's hard to kind of visualize the probabilities with it. So I'm assuming you did quite a lot of, uh, a lot of playtesting and probably spreadsheets to work out what the different probabilities of things. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And that chart was one of the first things that we wanted to work out to see like, is this going to be fun? And it did, you know, it aligned with some research we had about like, how fun, (laughs) what is the fun number of time to succeed on something versus not, right? right? Um, so we looked at some sort of casino theories about like what keeps people pushing their luck and, and all that kind of Ooh. stuff. And we, we did, we did a lot of play testing. We had a play test with roll 20 pro and plus subscribers, mm. um, where Ooh. we got their feedback. We did a lot of internal Ooh. play testing. Uh, and I also, uh, I did work with my friend who teaches calculus. Right. Um, he and Ooh. I, yeah, I said like, can you come up with a formula for this to help me <laughs> out? And he did. Uh, and it is like a wild <laughs> formula. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, no, uh, I can I, so, I can imagine because yeah. basically yeah. it's going to be the lower your dice size, mm-hmm. the harder it is, and the more dice you're rolling. Right. Yeah, that's right. The lower your dice size and the more dice you're rolling, the more difficult yeah. it is. And then you reverse those. Yeah. Two. So you're basically turning two dials yeah. at the same time, aren't you? Kind of. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you're rolling 2d20, you know, it's one in 400 chance of messing mm. up. Yeah. 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 And that's, we we do recommend, and this is in the, the rules that like mm-hmm. sticking most of the time between complexity two, three, and four yeah. is, is really the sweet spot for the game yeah. because you do want to, if you have so many complexity fives, it's going to make it very hard to succeed, but also mm. you're not going to be able to use most of your skills mm. since a lot of, you start mm. with a lot of d4 yeah. skills. And you want to use those D4 skills because when you use one skill of every die size, Mm. which you can check off Uh, on uh. your character sheet as you're going, you get what's called a Nova point and Nova points act activate your like big superpower kind of abilities. Uh, So yeah, one of the things in burn bright is, um, 
you don't play humans. Uh, there, there is no human species. And so it's all of these species that have these different powers associated with their forms. Um, and some are, you know, some are humanoid creatures, mm-hmm. right? Like there's a big crystalline creature that basically looks like a human made out of mm-hmm. crystal. Uh, there's a cat uh, a race uh, called the Eno that looks like, um, or I'm sorry, a species called the Eno that uh, mm-hmm. that looks like cat people, mm-hmm. right? You know, so we, we've got that kind of, uh, of thing. And then there are uh, some really wild things. Like you can be a swarm of 100,000 bugs that shares a single hive mind <laughs> together. Or you can be a slug that wears corpses as a second skin. Um, so like when somebody dies, uh, these giant slugs can enter their body and kind of puppet them uh, like uh, like corpses. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's some They're weird stuff. Slugs. So nice. It's very much yeah. a sort of Star Wars-y type of universe when you walk into the cantina and you see all these different types of aliens. Of all different exactly. types and sizes. Exactly, exactly, right? And that's what we kind of wanted to... We, we wanted the feel of uh, like a, a, a Star Wars or even something like um, Guardians of the Galaxy right. with respect yeah, to yeah, action, yeah, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So... Yeah. Uh, so hopefully people have a lot of fun when they uh, when they play it because that's the idea is like it's the end of the universe and everything, but your characters are the ones who are daring to hope mm. and, and do good things. And the hope, my hope is that I wanted to design a game where failing was just as fun as succeeding, right? right? right. And some of the things that can happen when you fail are wild and they'll make you go, oh no, but everybody will be laughing and and that kind of thing at the table. So that's the hope. Mm. So uh, in terms of player characters then, so you you don't have any humans. Uh, So for a starting character, how many choices have you got in terms of different species? Uh, We have eight species Mm -hmm. so uh and we've got 40 what are called story paths um so story paths are little arcs and they're how your character levels up and advances Mm -hmm. in the game and they have broad terms like revenge or uh you know rivalry or make art right Right. Uh, not make art i think it's create masterpiece is what it's called um And so these are little, they're five events and the GM can kind of work them in to the story, Mm. interweave them with the story that they're telling. And each time Uh you complete an event uh, on this story path, you get a little boost. Maybe your skills increase or you get a new ability, uh, that kind of thing. And, and they branch a little bit. So like revenge, maybe at the end you choose not to take revenge. Mm. Well, that's a different, you get a different advancement than if you don't, that kind of thing. And the idea is like, Hey, uh, this gets everybody to kind of engage with the story because it's the way you advance and level up. That's right? really interesting. So that's that's a that's a really novel take on the basically idea of a life path system. I'm not. I'm not. Yes. Yeah, it's event based rather than than occupation based. Exactly. Right. Yeah, and and credit has to go to to Cat Cool uh, for for that one. Um, she brought that idea, and then again, we all worked together on yeah. it and, and refined that's, it. And that's brilliant. I love it. I absolutely love uh, it. I might steal it. <laughs> so, roll roll twenty is very much about the bits, mm-hmm. uh, like the tokens and so forth. And if you have the pro subscriber levels, you've got access to dynamic lighting, you get special effects. What what are, what are the things that make it really good for Roll Twenty? Why, yeah? You know, how, how are you taking advantage of the functionality 
Definitely. So the the big thing is, uh, you know, obviously building a sp- sh- so a spaceship, a yes. spaceship. Yes, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Building a spaceship together, right, is a lot yeah. easier to do uh, in yes. Roll Twenty um, because of the way uh, the dice work, and and it's a little funky. Um, that is all kind of automatically handled in Roll Twenty. You you click the skill you want to use. It asks you to input the complexity, and then it tells you whether uh-huh. you succeeded or failed. Um, and you can see your your die rolls and and things like that. Um, so taking care of sort of the the automation. Where we can um, yeah, was yeah. was really important, um, but then within combat, there are a lot of rules in combat that take advantage of like so you can put markers on your tokens in roll twenty, and you can use right. those to track who's attacking who um, because the the way combat initiative works is it's divided up into two stages. Uh, well, really three. The bad guys declare what they're going to do. Then all the players get to act to try to like interrupt what's happening. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's that moment. When you, when you say tokens, you mean like the little like uh, c- colored dots and yeah, um, yeah. targets. So, things. Okay. Right. So yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, you can put those on your miniature and roll 20, right? Yes. Um, so yeah, exactly. You've, you've got colored dots and uh, burn bright actually is going to have some custom ones as well mm, that yes. are included. So, so that's uh, part of it is like, in within combat and high adventure that's a big part of it and then also um whenever Uh you fail a skill roll uh uh, Uh you can uh roll on a big random table uh and Uh the table is right there and you literally click a button and it tells you what the result Uh is right you don't have to roll and Uh compare and so again all Uh things that can be done at the table um but roll Uh 20 makes them faster and easier the other thing is tracking your skills right you you check Uh, off each time you use a skill you you want to check it off to make sure you're getting a nova point um uh, you're not going to wear a hole in a character sheet by checking (laughs) off and erasing and checking off right like it does make it a a lot easier uh in that sense too so um and then you do sometimes roll especially in combat a lot of dice right like you might be Uh, rolling uh big buckets yeah 60 10 and all that kind of stuff which a lot of people, right? A lot of people we know have because they're like super hardcore role players. Mm. Uh, Mega nerds, yeah. But uh, but not everybody has you know sixty twelve, right? Uh, and so roll twenty oh. makes that easier too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, uh, like fudge dice, uh, playing cards. You got mm-hmm. got a lot of stuff available to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's and that's true. The cards. Um, so the cards are actually used for uh for safety. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, for, for like as a safety tool when you're playing the game. So, okay. you know, the uh, there's a there's a safety tool called the support flower um, where you like draw a flower. And depending on what pedal you can touch a pedal of the flower to say, like, uh-huh. slow down, stop or keep going. So roll 20, oh, okay. you deal out. Everybody gets a bunch of cards that say keep going, stop and slow down. But when you uh-huh. play a card, it's totally anonymous. Nobody has any idea that it was you who said, hey, can we please stop this scene? So, um, okay. yeah, it, it gives a little more anonymity. Like, maybe you're too nervous to touch Ooh. the X card because mm. you don't want to ruin people's yeah. good time yeah. or you don't want them to be mad at you for it. This can help you yeah. uh, do that anonymously. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So, in, okay. in terms of support, yeah. what, 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 what do you get initially? Because it's about $40 or something like that, I think, isn't it? Yeah, so, so if you want the 
bundle, right? Um, uh-huh. You can buy just the starter set, which is an adventure that comes with quick start rules and and pre-gen characters and adventure ready to go. That's 10 bucks. Uh-huh. If you want just the core game without the starter set, you can get that, which is going to be, uh, I think it's twenty nine ninety nine, or you can uh-huh. buy them together. Plus, it uh, it comes with a bunch of art packs and exclusive art and stuff like that. That is forty nine ninety nine. You can also just buy the art packs individually as well right. uh, on the marketplace. So there's a lot of different ways you can buy and consume Burn Bright, and we have uh, we haven't announced the specifics yet, but there will be two other products coming very soon. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a Mm. longer adventure that's coming, you know, kind of like a campaign length adventure that will have all the maps and everything loaded up for you in Roll20. And there's also an expansion for monsters and ships coming as well. So in in terms of someone uh, learning to play a new game, uh, I understand Mm -hmm. how you do that when you're learning to play it from a book or a PDF. How do you do it when you're learning to play it? How, what, what, what are you presented with? So presumably there's quite a bit to read. How does Roll20 present that to you? Do you get a PDF or does it, how does it work? So right now, the way the information is delivered is, uh, is in two different ways. One is through the Roll20 compendium, yeah. which is basically like a wiki uh, that you can yeah. sit down and read on a tablet, a phone, a, you know, your computer, and it, you can go through page by page. Like it'll, there are buttons yeah. at the bottom that say like, turn the, you know, take me to the next yeah. page. Um, so you can read it that way. Uh, everything is hyperlinked in there. So if you're reading about something and you think, oh, I want to know more about this, you can mm-hmm. click that. Um, the other cool thing about that as a game designer is that like, it's super easy to update. So, hey, uh-oh, we found a typo. Uh, we can just fix yeah. that and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't have to reprint anything. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, the other way is through handouts. So if you're actually in a game, like in a virtual tabletop setting in Roll20, there are handouts that can be handed that are also like hyperlinked and cross-linked mm-hmm. and things like that, um, that you can go through one at a time and they're organized into journals and you can read the game. And if you buy the game, uh, you as the GM can share compendium access with anybody who you're in a game with. Um, so it works that Ooh. way. And you don't need Roll20 uh, Pro or Plus tools to play any part of Burn Bright, right? Like y- you uh-huh. can, if you want to use dy- dynamic lighting and stuff, all the maps are ready to go with that. But if you don't have a Pro or Plus subscription, it's fine. Mm. You can still play without dynamic lighting. Okay. Um, uh-huh. so, uh, so we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want the barrier to entry to be like, and you also have to get a Roll20 account and you have mm-hmm. to do the, you know, yeah. you buy, if you buy one Burn Bright, uh, you get Burn mm. Bright and you can play it uh, and you can share it with your friends. Because it, uh, it's currently free to play on Roll20. So really it's just like uh, the person running the game would have to have the subscription or? Yes. Or the person, really the person who sets up the game. So let's say, uh, yes. you know, if, if you buy the game, but you want yeah. Russ to run it. Um, you uh-huh. can set up the game and set the game uh-huh. to share your compendium with Russ, and then you just make Russ the uh-huh. GM once he joins, and you're good to go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds uh, an equitable way to do it. So you've been working on this for three years, you say. How does it feel to finally release an entirely new <laughs> RPG system, which you started from it's- scratch? 
Yeah, it is. It feels great and it feels surreal. And and uh, the reception to it has been good. Right. Like I was so nervous that somebody was going to open it up and be like, well, actually, this is quite crap mm. uh, and oh. and you're terrible. And, you know, um, uh, oh. and I was going to be like, you're right. Uh, it's horrible. And, and I should never uh, write another word about a role playing game again. Uh, I, think, I, think, so, I think we, uh, all, we oh. all feel that. I wouldn't worry too much. There. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so it's been well received and um, and it's it's sort of it hits me in weird moments. So um, there's an actual play that Roll20 started. Mm. Uh, that uh, Celeste Conowich is the game master for, and she's put together this amazing cast. And I was watching it uh, last night. It comes on on Thursday nights at uh, seven o'clock mm-hmm. Pacific time. Mm. And uh, I was like, wow, s- people are playing this game and I'm not running. That's it. Like, so weird, this yeah. is really Ooh, weird. When, you, when, uh, when that first happened to me, that was such a strange feeling. It really was. Yeah. Well, congratulations yeah. on the launch. The game looks fantastic. Um, Thank you. Can I, can I ask, you. are there plans to release it in any other format? Or is it strictly a roll a roll twenty thing? So I cannot comment at this right. time. Okay. So that's uh. a yes then. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, uh, uh, Yeah. Oh, they so James, thank you, thank you so much for coming on again. Thank you. Yeah. As thank always, you. it's an absolute pleasure. Oh, I would, I would note, I was on James's podcast last week as well. Oh, so if you want to head on over to right. James's podcast, nice. I was on there talking all about yeah. mythological figures and maleficent monsters. Yes, we had yeah. a great conversation. We also talked about the uh, awfully cheerful engine. We did. We which, did. Uh, which I love. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got the uh, so. we've got the playtest reports starting to trickle in now, and. Fantastic. They're all really positive as well, which is I'm really, really oh, happy. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, they, should, good. they should be. It's, a, it's, it's really lovely and simple mm-hmm. to yeah. play with. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, nice. Next week, we will be having Kevin Culp and his co-writer to talk all about their new Kickstarter Ooh. and their new game. Uh, we've had Kevin on before. Fantastic. Uh, and that will be fun. Yes, uh, but until then, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, it's going to be a goodbye until next week from me, Russ. And it's goodbye from me, Peter Coffey, from the Southampton Golden Roll Players. And Peter, I will be back to destroy you. <laughs> goodbye from me, James and Jacasso. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. Mm, That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Yeah, I am going to spend it all on a large, life-size chocolate (laughs) (laughs) T-Rex. Nice. I mean, to be um, fair, I think you might be overpaying at that sort of rate, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I make it an animated... Animatronic chocolate oh, T-Rex. Now we're talking. But the actual animatronics are made. The actual mechanisms oh. are all made of chocolate too. <laughs>